without looking at your phones, can someone tell me the significant global event that happened on May 6th, 2023? Very good. Very good. I was hoping nobody would get it. So thanks. Pardon? <laughs> so on May the 6th, 2021, something happened that used to be a really, really, really big deal. Now, there was a time when the coronation of kings was certainly a big deal. This has been the way of things for centuries, thousands of years. Being a king and having a kingdom was a big deal. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't any kingdoms anymore, and that isn't a big deal. But pretty much now, most kingdoms in the world are symbolic in nature. Now, there still are 43 sovereign states with a king as the head of state or a monarch. But there were times when the coronation of monarchs was a huge deal. The whole world would stop. Or at least the world as you knew it. Businesses and shops would close. Schools were let out. Throngs of people would line the streets for the new queen or king that claimed the throne. But now, does anybody even really notice? I mean, do you even realize, except that Elska said it, that, that Canada got a new king? We got a new king. Guys, we got a new king. <laughs> Makes no difference in our lives whatsoever. Are you going to be able to say, where were you? Where were you in King Charles's coronade? Well, I was in my backyard. I was driving. You have no idea where you were. Because it's really not a big deal. As many are aware, this past Thursday was Ascension Day, or the Coronation of Jesus Day, the, Jesus, the day Jesus went up and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now, again, I find myself sometimes thinking, man, I've been at this for a long time, and I've never really, I mean, I've preached a lot on the Ascension, but I've never looked at the Ascension head on. What does it mean for us that Christ ascended? What does it mean for us? What are the daily ramifications of the fact that Christ is seated at the right hand of God? That he's on his throne? See, today, where kings play a symbolic role, a figurative role, we are going to see how the coronation of Christ makes all the real difference in our world today. Now, am I, too, am I really loud? Oh, my wife thinks I am. But she always thinks I am. We will continue. And we will go to Acts. Acts chapter 1 in your Bibles. Acts 1, 1 to 12. Someone found it. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Hey, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee! They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is God's word for us today. Now, it's in the ascension of Christ that we are reminded of Jesus' uncorruptible government. Oh, this is good news. So this was the question that all of the disciples had as they gathered on the mount of Christ's ascension, somewhere in Jerusalem. Jesus had told them to go there, and after playing a game of resurrection hide-and-seek, he proved his victory over death. He proved he was a human being. It wasn't a spirit. That means death was defeated. Jesus finally assembles them. While they're together, they gather around him and say, Hey, Lord. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, you might not get it, but I think you get it. You see, another way of saying this would be, Hey, Jesus, are you finally going to give us a government that isn't going to ruin our lives? I mean, I don't know if you've learned this, but I think history is pretty clear on this. I think the only real thing you can count on through a government, and I'm not here, to, I'm not here bashing politicians I pray for them, love what they do, wouldn't want the job. But one of the things it seems that we can count on when it comes to government across the ages is that they can't be counted on, trusted, or relied upon. But this was even more the case in Jesus' time. You see, for the Jews, the Jews had been a political soccer ball for hundreds of years by the time Jesus came around. First of all, they had been kicked around by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. Then it was the Medes and Persians. Then it was the Greeks. Then it was the Romans. Kick, 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 kick. They were tired of being kicked. And so the question is, God, are we finally going to be at peace? Are you finally going to make things stable here? Are you finally going to, to put borders up that are going to be protecting us from all the bad people. Are you finally going to make Israel great again? They even have little hats. Remember, this is all Jesus talked about. It's all he talked about. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like, the, ha, ha. the longing was this. Jesus, is your kingdom finally going to rule? Our world is a world ruled by powers, rulers, and principalities. There isn't 
a nation on earth that doesn't have some sort of, some sort of government over them. And in each land, the world over, it's the same thing, playing over and over and over again. Our worldly kingdoms are fallible, they're faulty, and frail. It's always been this way. How often do we who even live in what might be the best system in the world find ourselves groaning, oh, another tax? Take this arm too. Or that's a leg. (laughs) Sorry. Another scandal? Another godless policy? More debt? More injustice? Imagine a government where there's no chance of scandal. Imagine a government where there was no possibility of corruption. A government that gave and didn't take. I was listening to uh, on Audio Bible when, when, when Israel demands a king. Israel demands a king. And God says to Samuel, go tell them this. They will take your daughters. They will take your sons. They will take your crops. They will take, 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 take. Imagine a government that gave. Imagine a government that filled you with peace. Imagine a government that filled you instead of emptied you. Imagine a government that gave you hope and not anxiety. This is the government that was cemented when Jesus ascended. This is the government that now rules if you let it. But its governance is different. There's no rallies. There's no no political events. There's no signs on the front step. Some people have signs, weird signs. Some people wear Jesus shirts, that's fine. It's a government through the heart. It's a government through an eternal king that rules through his spirit that was poured out. That's why Jesus had to go up. So that his spirit, his spirit came down. This is now the government, folks, that is offered to us. It's a government that's born in the heart. It's a government that's governance grows as Christ grows in us. It's a government that won't break. It won't be stolen away. It's a government that has given Christians strength to face and endure all of the powers of the world. Has anybody ever seen the Shawshank Redemption? Raise your hand high if you've ever seen that movie. If you've never seen that movie, pastor's orders. Lots of swearing, though. But that's okay. You've probably heard swear words before. And kids, later, we can watch it. Andy Dufresne is convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Oh, sorry, I'm getting the plot. (laughs) I'm going to destroy the plot for you. How's that sound? No, but he goes to jail. There's a scene where he comes back from serving two weeks in solitary confinement. He is given permission, he's asked to work in the warden's office because he's good with finances. On one particular day, he hijacks the warden's record player and broadcasts the most beautiful opera song over the prison's PA system. 
Two weeks he goes in the hole for that, and one of his inmates says, that's like two years in jail. To which Andy Dufresne said, yeah, but I had Mozart with me. He goes on to, to tell them about the power of music, how it can hide in the heart and can lift the spirit and is so powerful that no one can touch it or steal it. That, my friends, is the kingdom that Christ formed when he ascended. No one can take that from you. No one can steal that from you. No power on earth can take the kingdom of God from your heart, and that's why he ascends. The ascension of Christ is the moment when he set up an accessible government. There's a story right after Jesus comes out of the tomb. And and who's there? Mary, right? Mary's there. And it's like, oh, Jesus! And he, she clings on to him. Jesus says, do not cling on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, Mary's clingy. Isn't she allowed to be? Jesus is risen. He died. Terrible death. And Jesus is now getting her in trouble for clinging to him? He rose. What's she supposed to do? But here's the point. If Jesus stays, it kind of derails the whole point. If Jesus stays, the kingdom of God has to be where he is. It'll be a local government. It'll be a a, a geographical government where Jesus is. But if he goes, the whole thing is blown wide open. If Jesus stays, he can be available for some people. It'll probably be a mess. I mean... Already Jerusalem's pretty busy. But if he goes, everyone has access to him. Without the ascension, the kingdom would be only located in one place. In order for the kingdom to grow, Jesus would need to travel. Jesus says, tell them I am ascending to my Father. It's almost like there's an urgency here. Just, Mary, yeah, I rose. Jesus is like, it's cool, probably for you. But we got to get this going here. The world needs to know me. At the point of Jesus' ascension and the Spirit comes down, Jesus is fully accessible to everybody. You have access to the King of Kings. You know, there's a story in, um, you know, when Solomon, do you remember that story? Solomon was wiser than any man on earth. Solomon was also very accessible. And at one point, there was a huge conundrum that none of the judges in the land could figure out. And so he got the toughest cases. Do you remember that story? I believe it's in 1 Kings, but I don't have the chapter marker here. So it says, One day two women came to King Solomon. And one of them said, Your Majesty, this woman and I live in the same house. Not long ago my baby was born at home, and three days later his baby was born, or her baby was born. Nobody else was there with us. One night while we were all asleep, she rolled over on her baby and he died. Then while I was still asleep, she got up and took my son out of my bed. She put him in her bed, and she put her dead baby next to me. In the morning when I got up to feed my son, I saw that he was dead. But when I looked at him in the light, I knew he wasn't my son. No, the other woman shouted, he was your son. My baby is alive. The dead baby is yours. 
The first woman yelled, Mine is alive. They argued back and forth in front of Solomon. Until finally he said, Both of you say, This live baby is yours. Someone bring me a sword. A sword was brought, and Solomon ordered, Cut the baby in half. That way each of you can have part of him. Please don't kill my son, the baby's mother screamed. Your majesty, I love him very much, but give him to her. Just don't kill him. The other woman shouted, no, go ahead and cut him in half. Then neither of us will have the baby. Solomon said, don't kill the baby. Then he pointed to the first woman. She is his real mother. Give the baby to her. Now, why do I read you that story? Because this is who we have access to, someone who is far greater than Solomon, far wiser, far more accessible He is the king of kings. He's there. In the book of the Hebrews, we are extolled this. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So it's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's a paradox. In order for us, in order for us to know Christ, he had to come to the heights of heaven. But when he comes to the heights of heaven, he is available to us in our depths. Have you ever heard of Theodore Roosevelt? Theodore Roosevelt was America's 26th president. He was quirky and funny, as popular as all get out. He loved animals. He allowed many to roam the halls of the White House. Like you would, there was a story um, where a guest would come and an out-of-country out of, uh, ambassador would come, and there would be a horse just walking down the hallways of the White House. Super cool, quirky guy. But he was also a very, very popular person for the common man. He would disappear into the wilderness for weeks and wouldn't tell anybody. He would take a guide into one of the, the, the uh, national parks that he, you know, he protected. On one particular once a, 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 of these excursions, he had a, a bit of an entourage, and he went, I think it was Yosemite Park, it could have been Yellowstone. The rivers were rushing, and a bunch of the, the entourage were on horseback, and they were crossing this wild river. Now, one particular man who was a member of the press, he stumbled on into this river, and he was almost losing control. And so quickly the man looked to Roosevelt for help, and Teddy, who was good on his horse, he came over, came beside him, and escorted him across the river. So afterwards, a person asked him, so why did you ask the president for help? He says, well, I looked around quickly to all those around me, and everyone I saw had a clear no on their faces. The president had a yes face. Your king has a yes face. Yes to you in your need. Yes to you in your trouble. Yes to you in your questions. But he had to ascend. Lastly, Christ ascended to establish an expanding kingdom, a global kingdom. He says, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. So the whole time, the disciples thought it was about this one thing, right? Woo, we've arrived. Oh, it was a weird three years with Jesus. 
At least now we get to put our feet up. I wonder what kind of pool I'm going to have in my part of the kingdom. Oh, there's Jesus now. Hi, Jesus. Guys, uh, you got to go now. Oh, excuse me? Yeah, you got to go into all the earth. Excuse me? Yeah. Uh, Judah? Oh, yeah, Judah. We can do Judah. Uh, Samaria? Uh, Okay, we could probably do Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. You see, Judaism wasn't an evangelizing sort of religion. It was a protected religion. You protected it. You kept it, you kept it together. You didn't go forth. You weren't encouraged to go into the world. You were encouraged to be protected from the world. No. No world here. I mean, in fact, one commentator I read about this, I've shared this before. He said that for the disciples, 11 of them, which is more than the fingers I'm holding up, (laughs) 11 of them, for 11 of them to go into that Roman world would be like astronauts, sending astronauts into space. This is the moment the real mission would begin. So the disciples experience one of the greatest twists in any story. Ah, we've arrived. Jesus says, no, you will go. So they go. And the Spirit is given. Jesus ascends. It's his Spirit, folks. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit. And the Spirit comes down, and all the clumsily, dumsily people start spreading the message. Yeah, you heard me. All the bumbly, trippy, dippy people got this message of Jesus Christ, and it spread like wildfire. So this past week, Tim Keller passed away. Tim Keller uh, was a prominent preacher who planted a church in New York City and who was definitely a mentor of mine through books and podcasts. Well, a few weeks ago, I was listening to his uh, talk that he gave probably 20 years ago on the, uh, on the ascension. And he says, you know in Matthew eleven eleven, if you can put that verse up, Matthew eleven eleven, you know when Jesus says, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. <laughs> so Tim Keller says, somewhere out there is the worst Christian in the world. The dumbest, the most foolish, the most foot and mouth, most awkward, stumbly, bumbly Christian. Someone is that person. (laughs) Even that person has more power and effectiveness for Jesus Christ because of the spirit that is working amongst them. It's his spirit that moves the message in us. Even in the clumsiest and bumbliest of us all. And we're all in that category, folks. And you sitting here are living proof that it worked. People, I'm so not good with math. Oh, yeah, this 11 people. And you're sitting here. And now your lives are touched by Christ because of 11 people that got the Spirit. Amazing. (laughs) I love what the angel says here. If you ever want to do something fun, get a few people together and just go like this. 
just look up. And people will walk by, and they'll just look up. And if you even want to increase it, point your finger up. That's what these guys were doing. They were like, probably for a long time, because you probably wouldn't send two angels to tell them to stop. <laughs> hey, what are you looking up there for? In other words, get on with it. Stop looking in the sky. Stop looking in your tummies. Stop looking everywhere else and get on with the show. Yeah, I know. Sometimes you swear too much. Yeah, I know. You cut people off in traffic. Yeah, I know. You probably don't tithe as much as you should. Yeah, I know. Sometimes you're mean to your kids. But get on with it. The Spirit of God is working amongst you. And yeah, I know you're clumsy. And yeah, I know you're bumbly. They wish those two words rhymed, but they don't. But you have the Spirit of God. You are the kingdom of God. This week I had this beautiful picture of this. Some of us attended the local mayor's prayer, prayer breakfast. We had a table. Some of us had to wait for the eggs. It was hard. Just kidding. We enjoyed good food, good fellowship, had some pleasant speeches. But at the end, a children's choir came in from the local Christian school. They sang three songs. The last one that is my all-time favorite, he, Is He Worthy? Some of the kids you, tell, you could tell were a little too cool for school or choir. Other kids didn't have the most perfect pitch. One of the soloists missed her timing. But they sang anyway. And I don't think the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir could touch him. It was the most beautiful rendition of the song I have ever heard. And it's almost bringing me to tears right now. And that is how God sees you. He's got you. He's got you. His spirit lives in you. Don't worry about all this other stuff in ways you're not cutting it. He's working and you're living proof of it. Praise be to he who went to the cross for that. The living Lord who sets up an uncorruptible kingdom, an accessible kingdom for you, and a kingdom of grace that we could still expand it to this day. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these images that you give us how encouraging they are. We thank you for these times in our week when you just absolutely just run us over with your grace. Oh, Lord, help us embrace the truth that you are working in and through us. In the words we say, sometimes in the words we don't say. In the stuff that we do, even the stuff that other people heard that we've done. Oh, God, you are so good. Thank you for all you are in your name. Amen.